about the circling those tires on green to shine. Remember they fan out down there from the that bottom of Sunday Drive. Five off man. Pace cars off. Be ready. Yeah, be ready. Gas that bitch up. Be ready, ready. Green flag. Green. So many years just grinding it out, hoping for an opportunity like this. Got to thank Love's Travel Stop, uh, Speedco, uh, Bob Jenkins for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm so thankful. Such a great uh, way to get a first victory. Daytona 500, are you kidding me? That will never get old. Welcome to the Inside Pass, everybody. Randy Miller, Tom Baker, and uh, Peter Strada with us. Noah and uh, Jacob are stuck somewhere between uh, Florida and here. They're probably going to float back because it's taking <laughs> regard. It's like so yeah, taking the boat. Hopefully, he pulls the anchor out when they're driving yeah. by, or else they'll probably float right by. It's Noah. They're obviously taking an arc. That's, <laughs> that's very true. Uh, that was Michael McDonald. You heard at the beginning of the show, Daytona 500 winner. That is uh, that's really awesome to say, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But. We have his teammate on the Strutmasters.com hotline, another great friend of ours and good friend of the show, Fast Pasta, Anthony Alfredo, who finished, well, not so good in his first Daytona 500, but that wasn't his fault. It was, you know, the faults of 37 other guys who couldn't figure out how to run in a straight line for more than 13 laps. <laughs> Anthony Alfredo is on the phone. Anthony, uh, good evening, buddy, and thanks for uh, coming on and joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. I love coming on the show. It's been too long, but it's great to be back. It, it has been too long, and uh, hopefully one of these days we'll get you uh, back into the studio to, to hang out with us for the show. But uh, obviously, you know, last night, not the not the way you wanted to uh, end things with the 500, but your team at least uh, at least got to see victory lane. So um, obviously your teammate uh, reaping the benefits of winning the 500. But um, overall, how would you assess your, your first ever Daytona 500? You know, performance-wise, definitely not how we had hoped it would go at all, but the experience was great, and I learned so much even in the handful of laps I did get to make. Unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to make a green flag pit stop or any pit stop for that matter because when it came to the duels on Thursday night, we uh, were running a great race, playing it safe, doing what we thought was right by hanging around riding in the back, and when it came time to come to pit road, it was the worst possible timing ever because as soon as my spotter cleared me down to the bottom, uh, the bottom lane stacked up, and they wrecked in front of me, and there was nowhere to go. So it was as if I was on the top for one more corner. I would have drove around it, but uh, everyone was fighting for the bottom, getting ready to come to pit road, and, and we had to get down there as well. And right when I did, there was nowhere to go. And pretty much same thing uh, on Sunday, nowhere to go in the big race when that lap 14 wreck struck. Unfortunately, it happened right in the front of the pack. So it took out a lot of great cars, a lot of competitive teams, had tore up race cars they went home with, uh, including us at Front Row Motorsports, myself and David Reagan. So that was definitely a shame and not how we wanted it to go. We were already in a backup car for myself and my speedy dashboard Mustang because of the severe damage from the duels on Thursday night. So uh, we were doing all we could, and the guys did a great job giving me a backup that drove just like the primary and handled really well. So I was able to get acclimated quickly and start making my run to the front. We started 38th and broke inside the top 20, and then – chaos happened so that's just a part of speedway racing i hate it happened so early and uh, i didn't get to maximize my opportunity to learn in the race but it was nonetheless great to be at such a such a prestigious event make the field and uh race against guys i've looked up to my whole life and been watching it tv to have my family there as well was huge as well as uh some of our great friends at speedy cash so i just was trying to make everyone proud and 
it was it was not of our doing, completely out of our control, as a lot of things in racing may be. Uh, but it wasn't meant to be. God has a plan for us, and we're going to go attack at the road course next week. And as you said earlier, at the the best part about it was at least our teammate Michael McDowell was able to get it done and win the whole thing on the last lap on Sunday night. I mean, can't ask for much more than that. Anthony, you said it perfectly right there. Your teammate got it done. You got the Daytona 500 victory. With you being taken out in that lap 14 crash, I want to know, were you able to stick around in Daytona or did you head home before the rain came? And what happened once McDowell came back? Have you been able to see him or talk to him? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because it was actually a pretty crazy story. We were at the airport early to catch a flight home, and and by we, I mean the 38 team and myself. So we were there waiting, and we ended up boarding the plane. And by the time we were on the runway, there was four laps to go. And I had it up on my Fox Sports Go app watching the race. And it came down to the white flag when we were actually taking off. So I had to put my phone in airplane mode. We were going up in the air. I was doing my best to, to keep it on. And right when they were going down the back stretch, I lost connection, didn't even see the wreck happen. But randomly, it, it reappeared for a split second, and I saw a bunch of tore-up race cars. And I looked at the leaderboard and it said the caution was out and McDowell was leading. And all of us on the plane were thinking to ourselves, did Michael just win the 500? And sure enough, he did, and we went wild, to say the least. I mean, it was absolutely surreal. I don't think people realize how big that is for our team at Front Row Motorsports. So it stunk not to be down there and celebrate with the 34 team, but we're celebrating from up in the skies. So did you actually, like, did you all find out as you were flying then? So did, how, what, I'm curious how the rest of the plane reacted when about a quarter of the people on it went, suddenly flipped out and went crazy. What was that like? Well, a couple teams left early before the rain delay and the, the 17 team and us in particular had stayed through the rain delay and hoped we can we can finish some oh, repairs okay. to get back on track and meet minimum speed. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that with the damaged vehicle policy. We ran out of time, so we flew back. It was just the, the 38 team and the 17 team pretty much on the plane, so we all uh, found that out we were taking off or, or, or had an idea that Michael won, which was just unreal, uh, just, you know, just unbelievable, such a huge accomplishment for him, the team. Uh, he's worked so hard at it, and I've I've had the pleasure of getting to know him, and him and I have developed a great relationship already. He's so deserving of it, and so is Front Row Motorsports. They work so hard, Absolutely. and I'm just proud to be a part of the team. So uh, hopefully we can carry that momentum throughout the year, but I will say that the pilot did key up when we were coming to landing and confirm that he won the race, and that's when uh, everyone was super excited and just uh, ready to land so we can we can make a couple calls and send some texts to, the, to our friends at uh, on the 34 team and congratulate them. Anthony, I'm curious. Obviously, Ford will make sure that McDowell stays top 30 in points and has a great piece for the playoffs. Will any of that possible increasing manufacturer help trickle over to your team? Uh, hopefully. You know, Ford's been a, a huge part of our team, obviously, for the past couple of years. And since I've been welcomed into the family, it's, it's been uh, nothing but great things. I've had a lot of time in the simulator with Ford Performance and uh, Roush, Roush Fenway Racing, you know, that we're, we're, we've got a technical alliance with them. And then, of course, uh, my teammates David Ray and Michael McDowell have been incredible to lean on. So uh, there's been a lot of moving parts, but a lot of great knowledge and experience that I've been able to lean on. And to have, a, have support from a manufacturer like Ford is huge, uh, especially, you know, one thing I learned leading into the, 
Daytona 500 as, as a speedway race. We had our manufacturer meeting beforehand, and I never would have expected how family-like it is. So it's really, uh, really cool to be a part of that, and I'm very grateful for it. Uh, speaking more on that preparation, you've had the privilege to drive for a lot of great teams coming up from the trucks to the Xfinity and now the Cup Series. Talk a little bit about how those experiences have prepared you for this rookie year in your Cup Series and, and what, you, uh, what you're doing different this year to prepare uh, for all of these new tracks. Well, the biggest thing is, is just uh, a little bit different expectation than usual, right? Because this is a huge jump, and I've been going into it just like I did last year. Xfinity was a big jump for me from running a part-time truck series season before that. Uh, and I really just went into it with the goal of finishing the racing races, keeping the car together, learning as much as possible. And uh, I have the same approach to this year. And once I do that and start getting more comfortable and acclimated, learning uh, different aspects and, and experiencing just different situations uh, where I get to the point I could eventually put a whole race together with those experiences, um, that's when we'll start seeing you know the performance and start maybe setting goals for actual finishing positions. But I think in the beginning, just to go out there and take advantage of the opportunity, make the most out of it, uh, and learn. Uh, like I said, you, you got to run all the laps, keep the car together. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that in Daytona. But, uh, you know, so from speaking with the team, there were no mistakes made. You know, we all stuck to the plan, and I was doing exactly what I was supposed to. Um, there was just things out of our control. So we're going to stick to that mentality, and I would call it a successful season if at the end of the year we can – look at a chart of our progression or, or a chart of things learned and see it continue to go upwards, you know, hopefully not have any plateaus, definitely not any declines in, in learning experiences or performance. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the, the 500 win obviously is never going to be taken away from the team now. So as you guys move forward into the rest of 2021, you guys have that on your, your resume as a team. And, and I'm sure, you know, you talking about how he won the, the race and your whole team now has this, this you know, big boost of confidence uh, heading into the rest of the season, um, which I'm sure will translate into your team as well. So, uh, you know, all around as an organization, uh, it's got to be just a huge boost of everything, confidence, momentum, you know, everything that goes into a race weekend, knowing that this, the biggest win of, of the team's, uh, of the organization's lifespan is now out of the way and you guys can focus on the rest of 2021. Most definitely. And on top of that, we're just a very close-knit team. And uh, it's not like most shops where you have the 34 team in one corner and the 38 in another uh, and the 36, for that matter, when, when that car runs. You know, it's really just they're all in the same set of plates. Everyone's kind of meshed together, working together. And, uh, you know, we go to the track, and obviously there are designated crews, uh, you know, crew chief, driver, combos, et cetera. But really – um, everyone sharing communication, working together, and I think that's why you know we found success this weekend, uh, and hopefully that that continues on. I think everyone's just uh, motivated to do well and and make the most out of what we every week. Uh, so that's why I'm I'm just very thankful to be a part of the team. Uh, Anthony, in about thirty seconds or so, let's uh, take a minute and thank all of the the people that uh, made this happen for you this year. Well, definitely a lot of people to thank, but. Uh, first, be my friends, my family, all my supporters, all of our partners, Speedy Cash, Dude Wipe, everyone at Front Row Motorsports, Bob Jenkins, Jerry Freeze, and Team Dillon Management. There's been a lot of people who stood by my side throughout my career, and it's definitely the biggest year yet. 
So I know I can speak for Tom, and I'm sure I can speak for for, uh, Peter and Chris as well. We are so very proud of everything you've accomplished, uh, not only in your career, but um, in in the Cup Series already this year. And I know there there are great things uh, on the horizon for you and your team and your organization. And um, we wish you nothing but the best of luck this year. You deserve where you are right now, and we hope that you win uh, many times this year. Thank you so much. Uh, Anthony Alfredo, everyone, we are going to uh, step aside and uh, take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the weekend's festivities. There's a lot to uncover and a lot to break down, and we'll do that when we come back. More of the Inside Pass rolls on right after this. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Hello, race fans. This is Chris Wright. Thanks for listening to these guys. Some great radio hosts. You're listening to the FI Pass. He, he sounds abnormally happy. 
for somebody who's lo- who lost every single car. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inside Pass. Uh, Randy Miller, Tom Baker, Peter Strada with us, and uh, Chris is doing production for us. Uh, Noah's conspicuously absent. Uh, him and uh, and uh, Jacob are on a road trip to, back from uh, Florida, um, which I'm sure is the most exciting adventure of Noah's life. Yeah, being in a car with Jacob for 17 Noah hours. Was, Noah was driving. Yes. Um, Probably off a cliff. Yeah, driving at one point. So uh, I don't, you know, maybe he just got, you know, nervous riding with Jacob and just felt he he needed to be behind the wheel. He was also texting and or uh, driving and trying to uh, code a a recorded message to us through Facebook um, on the way. Oh, I'm sure they were stopped when he did that. Hopefully, yeah. I I mean, I mean, considering. You know, the I'm sure he wasn't driving whether they were stopped or not. Yeah, oh, I can neither that. confirm nor deny. Yeah, <laughs> not that he would tell Plead you. Plead the fifth. All right, I, I, I ran across a, an interesting uh, a tweet uh, during the commercial break from uh, Adam Stern. Um, during the rain delay uh, yesterday, there was a, a group of NASCAR drivers who went to random places to buy food for their <laughs> team. Um, it was uh, Ross Chastain at McDonald's, uh, Chase Briscoe at Panda Express, and Tyler Reddick at uh, uh, Scratch Cheddar's, uh, Cheddar's uh, Scratch Kitchen. Um, so interestingly enough, this goes to show you the power of social media um, when it comes to rain delays because Adam Stern has tweeted and reported that McDonald's earned $52,000 in social media value from yesterday's video of Ross Chastain sitting at the McDonald's drive-thru. Panda Express got $40,000 in value from Chase Briscoe wow. being at uh, in the drive-thru. And Cheddar's got $20,000 in value from uh, Tyler Reddick's visit, which I don't even know. I don't even know there's a video of that. I didn't see a video of Tyler Reddick's visit, but I did see the other two. So just goes to show you how much social media power there is in uh, videos tweeted by uh, NASCAR drivers. I feel like in addition to the buzzer and the bell, we need a cha-ching sound effect for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dude, see, now, if money. any of us went to any of those places during a rain delay, it would be worth like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. We'd get negative value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you put a fire suit on, you know, and uh, all of a sudden you're a celebrity. That's very true. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, in, in light of doing the, the normal debate, for at least for this segment, I want to talk a little bit about to what we saw yesterday and actually just over the weekend in general. There was a lot of action not only in the cup race last night, um, well, I guess all day yesterday, um, but also <laughs> the uh, Xfinity race on Saturday and the truck race on uh, Friday as well. Um, I, I guess the, the major thing revolves around, of course, yesterday, you know, you heard the, the audio from Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 um, after, you know, many years of trying his first career NASCAR Cup Series win um, for a team that uh, not a lot of people expect, you know, in terms of, of all around Doing good, but the funny thing is, is that all week long, you know, even after we made our picks last Monday, all week long I kept thinking, you know, there's I, for some reason I keep thinking about Michael McDowell and the possibility of him winning the 500. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was gut instinct. Um, I don't know, but just you know, the the front row team is not a bad team by any means, and Daytona has statistically been good for them in terms of you know being able to bust off top fives and top tens. So I don't think it's any surprise that he won. I, I feel like you know he was destined at some point is that they keep doing top fives and top tens. He was going to win eventually. But um, just considering the amount of competition this year and all the unknowns going into the season and him coming away with the win is just you know just an awesome feat for the whole team and for him. Unlike me in 2011. Who went with my gut and picked Trevor Bain? I know. I don't know why. I didn't. Driver. I. I. I don't know why. You could have been a hero. I know. I just. Didn't. I'm still riding on the Bain pick ten years later. Right. So you're on the Bain train. I'm on the Bain train. <laughs> yes. Going back to what Randy just <laughs> said. I mean, front row Michael McDowell winning the 500 isn't that surprising, given how 
how much emphasis Front Row puts into their Super Speedway program, how often Miguel is seen at the end of races at Daytona and Talladega. I remember two years ago in the 500, there was controversy that Miguel didn't push Logano past Hamlin for the eventual win. And just he's had top fives, top tens here a plenty before. I mean, his two strong suits are road courses and super speedways. So in hindsight, a day removed from the race, no, I'm not that surprised that Miguel did pull off the victory. Does it still count if he pushes Logano into, uh, or Keselowski into Logano? Yes, absolutely. Oh. Cross the finish line. Well, first. he did cross the finish That's line. That's all that matters. So I you mean, can take all the flack you want about you know not pushing someone into somebody else, but the following year he just pushes his teammate into him, and you know. See, and I, you know, here's the thing about that is I think people see that crash in different ways because I did not feel like that was no. initially Michael's fault at all. No, nope. nope. um, I think I it became. I think Michael became a part of it because Brad and Joey mm-hmm. got together. Um, and and then there's there's debate about who may have been the originator of that contact. I mean, I, I think Brad felt it was Joey, um, and you know Joey obviously didn't see it that way. And so, you know, it's it's one of those deals when you get to the last lap. Unfortunately, Peter, the pack racing that we have because of this stupid arrow and all the the splitter and all that other junk. When you have this pack racing, this is what you're going to get. They're shoving each other all over the racetrack. It's a contact sport now. And on the last lap, anything goes. You're trying to win the Daytona 500. Absolutely. Like you just said, they're going for the Daytona 500 trophy, the biggest trophy in this sport, aside from maybe the championship. But cars behind McDowell were moving forward. That line had momentum yep. on the last lap going into turn three. So either way, even if McDowell didn't get into Kozlowski, someone was going to get wrecked because McDowell would have wrecked or exactly. Kozlowski would have wrecked, even if McDowell lifted. Yeah, so the biggest game changer, obviously, in the 500, I think, in the lap 15, um, in the crash that took out half the field and most of the great contenders of the race, including you know, both of the, the front row starters, or, well, were front row starters before the start, before the start of the race because they had to start in the back. Um, but uh, Alex Bowman and William Byron was involved in that wreck, and, and most of the top contenders um, in the early part of the race was involved in that wreck. And, you know, you, you can say what you want about how the wreck started, but it's stupid uh, for them to race like that 15 laps into a 200-lap race or 100-and-whatever lap race. Um, and, you know, now nothing to show for it because shortly after that wreck, the rain came, and they were on rain delay for six hours. But <laughs> they had to stop and think about what they did. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, it's it's a move that, you know, we talk about all the time about bump drafting and, you know, hitting somebody in the wrong spot and, and turning them, you know, around. But when you do it when you're sitting in second place or third place and take out half the field, it makes it a little bit more, you know, well. Hard. I agree with you. I'm not a fan of it. I've never been a fan of bump drafting or pushing or any of this other nonsense. And anybody who says that they have to do that, well, if they have to do that, fix the doggone cars. Because to me, because this is what you get every year. You know, sometimes you only get one. Sometimes you get three. You know, um, and sometimes it's not till, you know, 30 to go. And sometimes it's lap 13. I, I, You can blame Chris Bell if you want to. And I guess... You would say he was the one who triggered it, but in reality, if it wasn't Chris, it's going to be somebody at some point. And it's just, again, it's a faction of the fact that we're all in packs. The air's moving the cars around, and, you know, you're trying to hang on to these things. And, you know, Chris has a little less experience than a lot of those other guys. Um, And so, you know, the Toyotas don't line up with the Chevys or the Fords or whatever. You know, it's, it's like we go to a lot of trouble um, just to excuse contact. And 
I agree with Randy, Peter, that there's no reason to have that kind of contact or be pushing each other around 15 laps, 13 laps, whatever, into the race. I agree 100%. I mean, like you said, it was lap 13 or 14. Guys, I think, were just getting antsy. They hadn't been in the car for a while and just maybe had a momentary lapse of judgment when bump drafting that hard into turn three on lap 14. Yeah. and. I mean, we saw the result. Half the field was taken out, and I think that changed the tempo of the rest of the race because minus a couple moments and obviously the last lap, it was largely single-file train racing. I mean, if you, if you look at the accident as a whole, I mean, you can blame Christopher Bell, but, I mean, who, who really knows, you know, what was going on behind him right. if, if he was being pushed into Eric Almirola or whatever the case may be. And it's not like you're going to slam on your brakes in the middle of, you know, well, that's going part of the problem, yeah, is you're all so close together that as soon as one guy checks up, the other guys uh, are you, you get run over, yeah. and that's and even in, on the last lap there with Michael, you you can't lift. I mean, there's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do in those situations when you you know, um, and so we've got to be able to get the racing to the point where we stop racing like that. And and I just feel like we we don't seem to want to give up all the arrow and the splitter and everything else that sort of plants all the cars so that this is what you get, you know. It seems to me from from a, a a setup standpoint, if you get the front ends back up off the ground and, may, you know, go back to minimum ride heights and, and, you know, make these drivers drive these cars with the gas and the brake, they wouldn't have to be racing in giant 20 car packs. We say that single file racing is boring, but honestly... If you're in the Daytona 500, it's lap 20. I'd want to see him racing single file for a while. It's not time to go racing Calm yet. down a little bit. You know, a bit. get through the race. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think a lot of guys in all the divisions over the weekend were way too aggressive, um, you know, especially the beginning and even the middle sections of, of the races. Well, you know, the perfect example is there was a, at one point during the race they showed Austin Dillon's in-car camera. He was at half throttle, 50% throttle yeah. in the middle of a pack doing yeah. 200 miles an hour with only half throttle because that shows you the, the arrow both in sure. front of and behind his car. He yep. could lift off the gas and still be going 200 miles an hour. Um, and let's not talk about the many times Denny Hamlin was out front and almost 90 degrees and saving the car. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for it's sure. I mean, that, right. that, that air was definitely blowing those cars around like nobody's business. And, I mean, th- that shows you the talent of these guys, too, because, they're, you sure know, these, those are only two examples of, of so many times during the course of the race where those guys were bumping into each other and turning them themselves sideways and saving their cars, um, which could have been a lot more accidents on top of that. There but, were a lot of wrecks um, that just didn't happen. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> those guys were sliding all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, that goes to show you how much air. Um, you know, is the, these cars are how aero dependent these cars are, and so um, you know you get the same the same thing happened in the Xfinity race. You know, we took out a lot of the good contenders like you know Allgaier and uh, Amendinger, and you know most of the guys in college yeah. racing, and um, you know just unfortunate situations. The truck race was not a whole lot better. Uh, you know, a little little less wrecks there, but um, same kind of concept. I mean, you know, it takes one wreck to take out half the field, and so. You know, no matter what, no matter how you look at it, at the end of the day, Michael McDowell is a Daytona 500 champion, and you know, that car will now sit in uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a year, and uh, will get to be, you know, put on display for all to see, and then that's obviously good stuff. So we're going to step aside, take a break. There's more controversy, not just that one, a lot more happened, and we'll talk about that uh, when we come back from commercial break. This is the Inside Pass on WSIC. Back in a minute. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. 
Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made in Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. I'm Chase Elliott, and you're listening to the Inside Pass. Welcome back to the Inside Pass here for WSIC. Uh, where's Red when you need him? Randy Miller, Tom Baker, and Peter Strada. Uh, all in the, the studio. Under the bus. Uh, Chris Murdoch is. Uh, Kind of producing our show uh, when he remembers to push the button correctly. Because Murdoch forgot to scream your name when you came in this time. Maybe he should sit back down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the problem is. Anyway, uh, we, we thank so much uh, for uh, listening to us, uh, on, whether you're listening to us on PMN or you're streaming us live on uh, Race Chaser Online. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into our show. If you missed uh, Anthony Alfredo, um, you can catch it on demand later on in the week. Uh, next week, we don't have a guest book, but I'm working on something really cool. I hope that we can make it happen, but we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll uh, let you know. Uh, so I updated Fantasy Points. I really don't want to talk about it, but uh, I guess we're going to have to. Um, uh, Seth Eggert uh, is, is in the lead right now. He picked Bubba Wallace, which is why he's in the lead, because I think everybody pretty much 
stay on course with uh, Xfinity and trucks, but he picked Bubba, and Bubba probably finished ahead of all of us combined um, because I think everybody else – Well, Where, I, you got Larson, but I'm I, saying, like, me and Peter and Noah and, and you know, the homeless guy I talked to, we all picked – Bubba finished ahead of Larson? Bubba was 17th, was 17th. Larson was 10th. Yeah, but he had Bubba had points because he won. He was leading laps, so he got more. He got points for. I think he actually finished uh, like up in like third or fourth in one of the stages too. Ah, um, Larson didn't, so he okay. got more bonus points for third. Yeah, he finished third in stage two, right, Peter? Yeah, you, you can right. speak, so Peter. Got, it's okay. You don't have to hold <laughs> yeah. up three fingers. I mean, got, uh, at least it was good. Both. It was three good fingers, and not the one I. Yes, was three for Dale. Yes, he got points in both stages. Yeah. Bubba so. Did. That's how Seth is ahead. Noah's in second place. I got to redo that math because he needs to have points taken away for not being here tonight. Um, and then uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom is third. Nick is fourth. I'm fifth. Peter's sixth. Jacob's in seventh because sadly at he, least I'm not last. The, this, I didn't get to play last week. Jacob yeah. is a perfect example of what happens when you just send me your picks five minutes before the race starts and you just make up people in your head because he yes. had Ryan Newman. Um, I don't even know. You know. I don't even remember who he picked. Um, well, we Richard Petty. I, he picked somebody. I don't even remember who. Chris he picked. would have picked Joey Logano for the five hundred. Probably. He's a Joey probably. Fan. So nope. since since Red's I, I actually picked Truex and he was out on that. Oh 15. well, yeah. see you. So I got to add. Well, I added. I gave Red twenty eight points for Spire just because he's contractually obligated now to, yes, to Spire on every race. Corey Joy every oh, week. So yeah. maybe I should just yeah. combine uh, uh, Corey's points with. Um, uh, McMurray's points and give them both. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, they both got in the top ten. So that made sure. even the he points. He probably so. would have uh, picked McMurray too. Probably. So I mean, just since he wasn't here, I mean, just giving <laughs> extra points for McMurray and call it a day. So anyway, so that's uh, that's your fantasy update. We'll uh, do picks on Thursdays, a uh, madness show um, for uh, for this week. But we're doing all three series uh, like we are this year. So yeah. Um, all right. So we're gonna do our debate style format now. Uh, round number th- now round number one of the format, but round number three of our show. So Chris, uh, take it away. Due to qualifying being canceled on Saturday, Jordan Anderson and a host of many other teams are ineligible to compete until at least May since lineups are set on points. What are your thoughts, Randy? So, I mean, obviously, I didn't even know that this rule even existed um, until I read up on, you know, the reasons why everything was going on. But now that I've read the rules, I think the rule sucks. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that, you know, a guy like Jordan Anderson who, you know, didn't even have an Xfinity team three weeks ago um, decided that he was going to try to run the Xfinity Series season. He had the funding to go there. He was going to run the full season, and now he can't race till May because of a NASCAR rule that states that the points, or the lineups have to be set by points um, until they qualify again. And I think, you know, as Tom alluded to it on social media, that rule needs to be changed. That's if you're, Especially if you're going to cancel qualifying, um, because of COVID, you need to find a new way to help these teams help these teams out. Since they traveled all the way from Mooresville, North Carolina, some of them further than that, all the way to Daytona Beach, Florida, and have to turn around and come home because you can't race because of the rain. I agree entirely. NASCAR's done a lot of things right in COVID. We were the first major sport back. We were the first major sport to have fans back. But punishing some teams, like Randy said, if we're going from North Carolina to Florida or Georgia or whatever track we're racing at, just cannot be the case. Xfinity cup truck whichever series they all sent cars home this weekend that they shouldn't have because qualifying was impeded or because of point situations and i really hate it for jordan anderson his shop is literally five minutes from here and i, I was excited to see that team race this year in xfinity i think he would have been potentially on par to maybe make that final spot in the playoffs and this really derails that whole effort for this year yeah, it's 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 an absolutely inexcusable rule. I I don't know why NASCAR. It, sometimes it makes me wonder about 
what happens in the offices in Daytona Beach, Florida, when you can't sit together in a conference room and throw out scenarios and go, well, what if, you know, this happens? Well, gosh, we don't want to make these new teams with new sponsors and all of the new. We don't want to make them have to sit until May. Maybe we need to rethink this. NASCAR sometimes is very bad at sort of going through scenarios before they make rules. And this was one of those cases where I don't think they intended this. Um, At least I can't believe that they would be that silly. I I just think somebody wasn't thinking when they made the rule. And I think it's a terrible rule and they need to fix it. In in, in defense of the people that make those rules, if I had an office in Daytona Beach, Florida, I don't think I'd be doing much work either. I'd probably be on the beach all the time. I'm just saying. (laughs) Whole other discussion. Yes. Toyota's David Wilson revealed he's had talks with two potential new owners about coming into the sport in 2022. What are your thoughts, Randy? I am. Ex- I'm excited about having new teams in the sport. I mean, we talked. We talked about it all off season about you know having a, a track house now and live fast motorsports now and you know the 2311 racing now and all these teams that are in. And now there's more Xfinity teams coming in and more truck teams coming in. I, I'm excited a, a, about the potential of having more teams, but. As much as I'm excited about having those teams, at the same time, like Tom said, you know, if you don't have a game plan for helping these guys get into the races, these teams aren't going to be around very long because these new guys that are coming into the sport from outside of another realm aren't going to stay around the sport if they if they feel like they're not getting the bang for their buck and if they're not if their cars aren't getting on the racetrack and their drivers aren't getting seat time and they're not making races, they're not going to be around very long. More owners raise all ships for this sport. I mean, look at the current crop of cup owners. Rick Hendrick, Joe Gibbs, Roger Penske. They're all in their 70s or 80s. I think Tony Stewart's the youngest of the top-tier <laughs> cup owners, and he's like 48 or 49 yeah. years old. So, yeah, celebrity owners or just new ownership in general is great for this sport. We've seen Michael Jordan. We've seen Pitbull come in. We've seen the Matt Tiff, VJ McLeod duo. And even this weekend, we've seen Alvin Kamara hint at possibly buying into a cup uh, or a race team, not necessarily a cup series team. I think he was going back and forth with Ryan Vargas on Twitter. But Wow. I didn't hear I mean, that. With the charter system, you want teams to have value and you want charters to be a hot commodity. And I think they will be with Next Gen Car and with celebrity owners like Michael Jordan bringing more awareness to owning a race team. I want charters to either be gone or have enough for every team, one or the other, which I guess probably defeats the point of the charter. I just don't. I think NASCAR screwed that up. But to get back to the question, I'm happy that Toyota is looking at expanding because they've got far more potentially uh, championship caliber cup drivers in their pipeline than they do places to put them. So, you know, when you come out of Xfinity, there are some guys like Harrison Burton. I don't know where they're going unless there's more, you know, more seats available. Um, I don't know where Harrison Burton goes because everybody in the, at the main team, uh, Joe Gibbs team is already filled. So unless you're going to expand Denny Hamlin's group, um, you've got to have some more teams for some of these guys. So I think it's great if there's more Toyota teams. Uh, this past weekend marks 20 years since Dale Sr.'s death. How much has the sport changed? I think it's a totally different sport, um, just in terms of the, the safety innovations we've made and just how much of a different sport we're, we're looking at now. You know, if if Dale hadn't died, you know, what 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 would it have been like? You know, what what would the sport, where would the sport be right now if we still had Dale here, um, as opposed to not? But I mean, just the safety innovations alone um, obviously make things 
you know seem a, a lot different. Um, how much how much different the cars are built. How much more safety innovations have gone into seats and belts and harnesses and helmets and Hans devices and you know just every every aspect of the safety mechanisms of the cars. You you saw last night uh, after the fiery record, you know, on the last lap, Brad Keselowski's car completely destroyed except for the cockpit. Um, Kyle Busch's car almost all destroyed except for the cockpit. Um, Ryan Newman uh, last year uh, after the 500, you know, that car completely just disintegrated and decimated except for the cockpit. Um, And that shows you how much of an innovation that we've come through since Dale's passing. A couple weeks ago, I actually walked through the Richard Childress Racing Museum just looking at some of the great cars they have there. A lot of them Earnhardt 3 cars. And it's just amazing to see how basically everything on that car is completely different from cars they're racing today. And just we've seen countless crashes, whether it's last night in the 500, Ryan Newman a year ago, Michael McDowell at Texas all those years ago. I list 50 or 100 different wrecks where if that were a 2000-2001 style car, the driver would not have gotten out under their own power. It's just amazing to see how safety in this sport just took top, top priority after the rash of driver deaths in 2000 and 2001 punctuated by Dale Sr., ESPN aired a tribute show, a look back, you know, 20 years on on Sunday afternoon. I watched it and did not realize that Dale wanted nothing to do with the Hans back then when it was being tested. And he just he wanted nothing to do with it. But I'm going to say this. When he started in the sport, we still had the old time cars. We didn't even have power steering yet. Jeb Bodine hadn't brought power steering to NASCAR yet Um, from a fan standpoint. No matter how much the cars changed and whether the fans really appreciated the changes that were made in the cars or the racing, as long as Dale was there, as long as their hero, their everyman, their, their, their working class hero was there, the fans stayed with it. The minute he wasn't there, all of these other issues became magnified. And what's interesting to me is that when he left us in 2001, Dale Jr. was basically made the face of the sport at a point in his life when he wasn't ready and here we are 20 years later he is to me the legitimate face and he's doing it in a way that i think his father would be extremely proud of him right now so it's it is amazing to think how we've uh come so far even in that sense over the last 20 years yeah that could be a whole nother discussion about how much junior has meant to the sport outside of his actual driving uh and you know how he's obviously you know a hall of famer and and things like that so we're going to take a break um we'll come back with another round of uh, great discussion and we'll have more of that when we come back this is the inside pass on wsic (laughs) we'll be back in a minute how to be a great dad in 15 seconds Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? 
Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, my name is Eric Jones, and you're listening to the Inside Pass. Welcome back to the Inside Pass. See, Martin, I just needed a break. That's all that happened. He sat down during the commercial break, and he stood back up, and everything <laughs> is fine. Now he's good. And now he's all good again. Um, Randy Miller, Tom Baker, Peter Strada with you. Uh, Noah's conspicuously absent, but uh, hopefully they make it back safe from Florida. They, uh, they they got to moonlight in Daytona until 3 this morning, and then they made, it, made their way back here. So um, they are, should be on their way or should be getting close back. Uh, back I don't know if now. they saw moon in Daytona all weekend. No, probably not. Yeah. A lot of rain. but uh, behind but no the moon. clouds. Uh, so uh, one more question left. Um, from the last segment, and then we'll get into our fill-in-the-blank segment. Pacris released a cup prospect list that put Sindrick uh, at the number one. Mayer was second, along with Zane and Jesse Love. Do you agree with his list or disagree? I, I disagree with number one because I feel like Sindrick already has a home for next year, so he's not really a prospect anymore. He already knows what he's doing. Um, so aside from that, I mean, yes, Mayer is going to be a huge superstar. Zane is a superstar on the horizon. Uh, Jesse Love it, it has got more talent than you know everybody in the Cup Crunch combined. I think at this point, um, but uh, I, I agree with the rest of the guys on the list. There's others. Uh, Haley's on there. I didn't put all the top ten on there, but aside from Hendrick, or from Cedric uh, being number one, um, I, I think the rest of them are pretty spot on. You take the words right out of your, my mouth. I, I know that's take, why I said it first. <laughs> I would take 
Austin Cindric knows where he'll be in 2022 in the Cup Series, so I disqualify him from this list. And I do have someone who'd replace him, not necessarily in that number one spot, but I would put Haley Deegan in the top ten because what she brings as a driver for sponsorship potential, for marketing, I think trumps anything she bring on the racetrack. I think all around she's a great asset for some Cup team in the future. I think this was a list referring to on-track racing, not not total um, package. So I would disagree with Haley being that high based on that. She's got a lot of learning left to do. Um, I just think these lists are subjective. I I think the world of Bob Pockris, um and I think the world of David Smith, who also calls himself an analytics guy and makes up all these matrices and what metrics or whatever, that's, that's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, it's still subjective based on your opinion, which is why I think I've got more time in the sport than both of them. And you'll never see me do a top 10 for that exact reason, because I think all these guys are prospects. It just depends on the money and the situation that they, who would have thought Anthony Alfredo would be in cup this year. So that's, Uh, you know, I think, I just think they're subjective. I think when you, when you're a journalist and and you're on a deadline and your boss says you write a story about something and you come up, you have to come up with something quick. That's just like, Hey, let's do a top 10 list of of prospects. And there you go. There's your story for the week. Yeah. It's just a, it, it, to me, this is all for, for the drivers involved. It's just all a, you know, ego. I'm ranked higher than him. It's clickbait for NASCAR. Yeah, that's or all it is. Fox Sports. Popularity contest. Exactly. All right. We now switch gears to fill in the blank. The new monster ad hinting at Kurt's retirement is blank. I checked my grammar, by the way. Um, so um, <laughs> from I've heard different conspiring stories about what actually the ad meant. Um, I still think there's more to the story than what people are leading on. Some people say he's retiring. Some people say he's not. Um, apparently, from from what uh, what Noah tried to tell us on the way home is that he talked to a couple of guys over the weekend, and they said that it's Monster's way of creating a new um, some sort of new ad campaign. And you know, I, I think it's all uh, BS. I, I think there's more to the story, and I do believe that this will be Kurt's last year. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> So somebody else is going to make up his mind. <laughs> yes, somebody else is going to come along and say, you're out. Come on. I think this ad is questioning. I think it may just be an intense marketing campaign by Monster, but it does bring up a question of Kurt's retirement. He was asked about this during Daytona 500 Media Day, and he said talks haven't really started with next year. He said we'll get there when we get there, basically. And I think with how heavily Kurt's been involved in testing the next-gen car, I still think he'll be around for one more year just to drive that car, just to see just with how high of a driving talent he is. I think he wants to see how he stacks up in the new car. Okay, first of all, you said this ad is questioning. I'm flagging you a buzzer 15 yards for improper use of grammar. I meant questionable. That's correct. We're going to need to get Tom a grammar police hat. That's not what you said. It's okay. I've been been penalized more than the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, that's right. Just in the last Trust me, I would have read it right off the paper. Tampa Bay could never get a penalty, but that's another show. This ad is suspect. Kurt Busch, first of all, I don't think he's going to retire. I believe you see him back in 2022, but... um, I don't think the ad, and I didn't when I saw it, I, don't, I didn't think it really meant anything. So, um, you know, I think it's just Monster having a little fun and maybe stirring up a little bit of conversation, which is really what a good marketing campaign does. It gets well, people talking about it. They've done their job. Yep. All right. Continuing on, the wreck on lap 15 of the Daytona 500 was blank. Ignorant. 
complete and total ignorance. Why, why? I mean, why? Why would you try? Why would you race that hard and that bad? Or I, I'd say bad. That reckless. Fifteen laps into a huge race that means everything to every driver in the field. I think it's a case of drivers knocking the rust off. Yeah, we saw Christopher Bell involved in the contact that precipitated this accident, and I think it's a bit of inexperience, a bit of drivers just being antsy to be racing again, four points in a long event, and just a lapse in momentary lapse in mental judgment. It was stinky cheese. That's what that wreck was. It was it was stinky cheese. It it was avoidable. And again, as you guys have said, it it didn't have to happen. I'm not ragging on Chris Bell because he just happened to be the one that triggered it. It could have been anybody. They just shouldn't have been racing that hard on the fifth, on the thirteenth lap. All right, I'm going to jump one because we don't have a lot of time yet, and I yeah. want to get this one in. Producer's right. What we saw in the clash on Tuesday meant what? for Sunday's Cup race. Well, we thought that it meant to, you know, we were going to have hard-hitting action, which I, I guess technically the wrecks were hard-hitting. Uh, but in terms of that, I mean, everything you saw is, you know, is going to be different, obviously. They ran the road course on, on during the clash, and they're going to run the road course this week. Um, and I think you'll see the same guys up front. I mean, Michael McDowell has a lot of experience, and, and hopefully, I mean, it, to him, for him to have two in a row would be absolutely just, crazy you know a crazy year that would be but um chase elliott and uh, you know all those guys you can't count any of those guys out, to so. clarify the question refers to this, this coming, is sunday. coming sunday okay. yes yes peter? i even wrote the questions and i don't even know what the heck i'm talking okay. about so peter? goodbye i think what we saw in the clash brings great excitement for sunday's cup race i was hard on this show a week ago about running the clash on the daytona road course i did not think it was that compelling of a race Last August, I thought Elliot ran away with it, and I thought whomever was going to run run away with it last Tuesday night in the Clash. Now for Sunday, I'm not so certain about that. I think it'll be a great race on Sunday, and I'm genuinely excited for it. What we saw in the Clash on Tuesday meant nothing for this Sunday's race for a couple of reasons. One, this Sunday's race is not, as far as I know, a nighttime primetime race. Completely, Unless it rains. <laughs> Unless it rains. Completely different track, completely different situation, full field of cars. So I don't think it meant anything, honestly. I think uh, I do think, though, that it's going to be a very exciting race. Yep, uh, I, I totally agree. Well, uh, Tom wins by uh, what eleven to ten for uh, over Peter. Wow. So, and I, I think I gave him. I'm so proud. I had First nine wins since week one. I took a point away from me because I was talking about the wrong race. So, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> kind of like Michael showing up the wrong w- track. Welcome, welcome to my world. Uh, anyway, uh, we thank you guys uh, so much for uh, for joining us uh, tonight. Uh, guys, go in and enjoy this weekend's races at. Uh, uh, Daytona again. Uh, hopefully, uh, better weather this weekend than it was this past weekend. I, I, hope. I don't know what the weather forecast is like, but it's Florida and it's you know close to spring, so I'm sure it's rain. Um, in any event, uh, we thanks uh, to Anthony Alfredo for joining us, and uh, in two weeks we have our 200 show with uh, Matt DiBenedetto. That's that's uh, going to be a great show uh, as always, and hopefully Noah will be back next week. Uh, lead lap is uh, coming up next, and uh, I, I don't know if Peter's sticking around, but uh, Tom and Chris will be here anyway, so because the show must go on. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody, and uh, enjoy the, the races, and we'll see you guys next week right here on the Inside Pass. Goodbye, everyone. 